I want to take just a few minutes. I know that that we're going to celebrate in service number two. Let me take just a few minutes to place uh, an encouragement, uh, maybe a charge, uh, a perspective for where we are today and perhaps where God is taking us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, it says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. A parenthetical statement, it's, it's where something is true, but we get the opportunity to, I want to be careful with this word, be a qualifier. We don't qualify the word of God, but we get to affirm that word by putting our amen on it, which means so be it, so be it in my life, so be it in the church, so be it over the past, so be it over the future. God's promises, they are yes. E. Stanley Jones wrote a book, and it was all about this verse and he says that our yes is just a yes on God's divine yes. I didn't know that over weeks you had talked about how no won't take you anywhere. It is your yes. But where we're talking about going is a place that only the promise of God can take us. Where we're talking about going is only that zone that's exceedingly and abundantly above anything we could ask or think. What we're talking about today is the God who can do great exploits when a group of people will bring a collective amen on God's yes, our yes, on his divine yes. And here's what I want to lay before you. So far, 16 years, so far, so God. And today, so far, so God meets, get a praise ready, so far, so God meets, the best is yet to come. Do you believe it? I believe it. This so far, so God meets, the best is yet to come. It's Psalm 23 that surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. It's for Philippians 1, 6, who began a good work in us will carry it to completion. It's Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 12. God is watching over his word to perform it. Can you say? I mean, so be it. It is 1 Samuel 7, 2. I like these words. Hitherto the Lord has helped us. How did we get here? By the help of God. 16 years, the seasons, the challenges, the phases, and the stages. How are any of us here today? By the faithfulness of God. His word is true, and he's not slack or slow concerning his word. He watches over that word to perform it, that word over your life, over your family, over your church. 
Just look around. God is performing his divine yes over your life, this church, and the whole Space Coast. Yeah, go ahead. Praise him and celebrate. It's happening. So far, so God meets the best is yet to come. Ephesians 1.4, even before he made the world, God chose us in Christ. It's that here comes the train of God's faithfulness, handing off to the sovereignty of God and vision for the future. It is exactly Ephesians 2.10. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, prepared in advance back here for us to do. Here comes the faithfulness of God pursuing us while at the same time, God enters our life from the future. And when he enters our life from the future, I'm there, he's here, and he's established these works in advance. And he, he's out here going, oh, if you think 16 is sweet, just your eye hasn't seen, your ear hasn't heard. It's not even entered your mind what I have in store for those who will love me and be fa- who will put an amen on my promise, who will put their yes on my yes. So far, so God, but the best is yet to come. I feel like I'm in, a, in an intersection right now in between the faithfulness of God and the sovereign vision of the future. So far, so God, we step in right here, meets the best is yet to come. Let me just take a a few minutes and and give you a couple of takeaways. Uh, Kelly and I, we have three kids. They're all married now. But as they were growing up, we had this kind of thing. and, And I'll explain it by giving you a verse out of Psalm 139. It says, you go before me and yet you follow behind me. Only God can do that. Like, how does that even happen? It's just so God. It is the Israelites with the Red Sea in front of them and the pursuing army of Pharaoh behind them and the cloud moved from in front of them to behind them. And it kept the enemy from getting them while the wind started blowing in front of them, the the wind of God, and it started rolling back the Red Sea on the left and the right. So the God who was going before them was also behind them. Here's King James language. You hem me in behind and before. When our kids were growing up, we would do like this sandwich hug. It's where Kelly and I would hug, but we'd put one of our kids in between us. We loved it. The kids, not so much. (laughs) When I watch the story of your church, I see the story of a God who has just given you a 16-year sandwich hug. Therefore, therefore, be keenly alert If need be, be awakened. 
to the significance of this moment, this defining moment. God has really helped me physically. I've had this voice thing going, and some of you, have, you know, I've told this story, five surgeries in just a couple of years. And when, when you do that many, you get to know your anesthesiologist. And, and, and there are a couple of things started happening and became pattern, and that is when, when I'm coming out from being under the anesthetic, that person is sitting here going, do you know who you are? Three questions. Do you know your name? Do you know where you are? And do you know what day it is? That just preaches all by itself. You are coastline, community, church. That's who you are. You are the sons and the daughters of God. You are the way that people in this entire region will even know that there is a God, that there is a God of gods, that there is a name, one name given, whereby men and women can be saved. You are in this location right here. You're not in another state. You're not in another country. Your influence reaches there, but you are here, who you are, where you are. You know what day it is? It's your birthday. And it's a day to reflect and see the faithfulness of God. But we know, we know he hasn't brought us here to say, great, hang it up. It's like Pastor Jason said, something says we're just getting started. I want to run this race with you in prayer, in faith, in support, because I agree the best is yet to come. You're going to be talking to a lot of people that are very confused in their concept of God, very confused about truth. And, and we now live in the day where everybody has their own truth. And yet that very thought will lead them away. There has to be a people who will live out the truth of the Bible. Has to be. Thomas Jefferson is the third president, one of the founding fathers, and he was a deist. A deist is somebody who believes that God's creator, but that doesn't believe in the miracles. So you can go see his Bible. It's in the Smithsonian Institute. And you will see these major sections. He went through his Bible and everywhere, uh, where there was a recorded miracle, he cut that section out of his Bible and he came up with a version of faith that he agreed with. It's called deconstruction. And it's happening more than ever before. The question of the age will be, Will we serve the God who is or the God we want? The question will be, will we serve the God, 
remade by the version of our perspective of faith? Or will we serve, submit, surrender, humble ourselves before the God who is? Will we serve the God from Genesis to Revelation? Will we serve God, very God, Jehovah God, the great I am, or will we remake God into our own image, a God that somehow we think by our feelings has evolved and he doesn't think about things like he did when this was inspired by the Holy Spirit and written through the prophets, through the priests, and through the pastors. I would stand here today and say, the way the space coast will know the one true God is because God has a church that has decided they're not going to edit the scripture because God got it right the first time. Now, now, now back to what I'm saying. Be awakened to that. Who you are, son and daughter of God. Do you know where you are? You're right here for such a time as this. I'll place this here like an airplane. Sometimes I'm on planes and we have del delayed takeoff and they say we're going to make it up in the air. So I'm, I'm going to put the throttle down from here to the next few minutes and then we're going to have some donuts. I want you to know that as we step into this intersection, I want you to sense this. The future, it's about nations and generations. There's going to be something you'll do immediately. Kelly and I are about to cast vision for our church, the things that are going to be part of the next season. But it's way beyond the next season. It's about generations. This is going to serve generations. So I want you to know this, this future that I'm talking about, it is to you, for you, in you, through you, but it is for, I could even say this, nations and generations. Finally, I'm a firm believer that one bold step is often the catalyst that God uses to do the extraordinary. That as I talk to people that are, in their 80s, and one of my main mentors that Pastor Jason and Raina know so well, Pastor Tommy Barnett, he is now in his upper 80s, and, and he says to me when I talk to him, he said, Ron, I wish I'd have risked more. And we all get taken back by that because this is a guy who has been used of the Lord in unprecedented ways. Uh, if anybody stepped out in faith, it's him, if anybody stepped out of the boat and walked on water modern day in doing great exploits for God. It's him, and yet, hear this, because I, this is a thread that runs true. People rarely regret the risk they took. They always regret the opportunity they missed. A bold step that was taken 16 years ago, and even before, from that thing of there was a leading, a leading here we are celebrating the story. That's the way it always happens. We celebrate the story, but thank you for taking us back so that we could be reminded 
You only get a story like this because a bold step was taken when it would have been easier not to, more comfortable not to, cheaper not to, but God put it in your heart, you took it, then God, God put a blessing on that bold step because it was the leading of God and it became the catalyst for the extraordinary. In, in that intersection where you were, when you took, when you, when you were making that step, God was like, I got this right here. Now, if I could have said, let me show you in year 16 uh, the kind of people you're going to have, the kind of building you're going to have, the kind of budget. You'd have said, let's go. That's common sense. Who wouldn't want this? But when you had that first service with seven people, I know you're going, wait a minute, it's just four. Well, as pastors, we count everybody. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit were there in that first service. Um, there were seven there. Uh, we count everybody. Yeah, I tell them, if somebody slows down to 15 driving by, we count them. We run 29,000 people every week. You know, you're saying one of the, the forever memories, Pastor Jason and I would talk almost every week. And, and I say, he goes, I don't know anybody but the mailman. He's <laughs> like, I just go out there and here we are. And so I just want to remind us that, that this, if we were shown all of the blessing, it would just be common sense. That's not the way life works. Somebody has to take a step. So I just say, as uh, the worship team helps me out as we close this service, I just want to say that when Pastor Jason and Raina came, there was one of those conversations, and I've never shared this before, but it's been on my heart. He was here knowing that he and Raina had a leading from God, but he said to me, he goes, I just feel so empty-handed. What a place to be. It's daunting. It's, there's one side of you that you know you're just out there. And unless God does it, it's not going to get done. But at the same time, like, will he do it? What, like, God, I believe, but I need you to help my unbelief. I remember reading a book called The Tale of Three Kings by Gene Edwards. And he says, being empty-handed and alone, it frightens the best of men. But it also speaks volumes of just how mighty God is. And so I, I've, I've learned so much from you guys. And the, over the years when I felt empty-handed, God would bring you back right to my, like right here. And I would hear those words and I would be reminded of what God did out of what seemed to be nothing. Because he's never needed anything. Out of nothing he spoke. And there was something where before there was nothing. I stand in the intersection of so far, so God meets the best is yet to come. If I would have taken you, if we could go back to where there was 120 in the upper room at that same time, the Roman Empire had about 90 million people 
they had 50,000 50, square miles that they occupied. And yet there was 120 Christians gathered in the upper room. If I said, one of these two groups will turn the world upside down. I'm betting on the Roman Empire every time. I'm betting the farm, and I don't have a farm. <laughs> but I would bet it if I had it. And here we are in 2022. Unless you're a historian, you can't even name six Caesars. Salad doesn't count. <laughs> Little doesn't count. And yet, across this world, there are over 2 billion of us who name the name of Jesus as Savior. Wow. So how did that, how did that happen? Because there is an empty tomb. And that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead decided to indwell and infill the church so that we would move forward, not in our ability only, not in just our talent, not in just our creativity, our innovation and our hard work, but all of that, we could place it under the touch of God and he could do more than we could ever think or imagine. Standing with me, everybody, Church, be blessed, be blessed as you consider God's faithfulness and as you consider the best is yet to come. With eyes closed, if you'd say, Ron, I'm new here today and I don't even know Jesus as my Savior. I just said something that's very important. There's an empty tomb. Jesus occupied that tomb after he had died on the cross on Friday. They placed him there. But three days later, he broke the chains of death. And having risen, he made a complete victorious domination of the sin that is wrecking your life, of the struggle that is wearing you out. If you're tired of struggling, if you realize that you need your life to change, I want you to know that you're not seeking an it or a thing, it's a person. And his name is Jesus. And Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. He is drawing you. You sense it. He's awakening your heart. If you'd say, today, I'd like to be saved, then I want you to just start lifting your hands, and I'll see it, and then I'll lead us in prayer. You say, hey, that's me. That's me just right now. Start lifting your hands if you need to accept Christ. I see your hand. I see your hand. Someone else, keep lifting them, keep lifting them. Uh, yes, I see your hand over here. Come on, people on year 16 coming into the kingdom of God. I see your hand. See, on day one, the Lord knew these people were gonna be part of the story. Let's celebrate, let's celebrate. God knew this, God knew this. <laughs> I'll just ask you to repeat this prayer after me. It's not that you don't know what to pray. Just let me be an encouragement to you. And every Christian in the room, we're going to pray out loud 
repeating this prayer just as an encouragement. And we're going to be reminded of the day we prayed it. So would you just close your eyes and all believers repeat with some boldness after me. And those of you getting saved today, the Bible says, if you will believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is in fact who he said he is and did what he did, you'll be saved. So let's pray. Dear Jesus, I open my heart to you. I'm desperate for you. I repent of my sins. Thank you for dying on a cross, taking my sins there, shedding your blood, giving your life so that I could be forgiven. I receive your forgiveness. I receive the gift of salvation. I put my faith in your grace. And I want to develop this relationship with you. Thank you for loving me, finding me, saving me, and leading me forward. In Jesus' name. Everybody said. Hey, if you raised your hand today, please take a card that's in the seat back in front of you and fill that out. The bottom part is for you. That's your spiritual birthday. You just tear that thing out and you put it somewhere today from death to life. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and everything you touch this week prosper. Amen. I love you. I love you. Go out, enjoy yourself. And uh, be blessed. Happy birthday.